Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV, 1450 AM, Chicago, Illinois. And I am your host, Tariq el I would normally give our regular intro, letting you know what the program is. But before I do that, I'm going to ask that we all take a moment to remember those who have lost their lives in a soulless and senseless act of violence in Las Vegas. At this present moment, that number is, I believe, 58, with hundreds upon hundreds of people that are still dealing with the after effects of that violence. We ask that our Creator, by whatever name you call Him, whether it be Allah, God, Jehovah, we ask that we make prayer, sincere prayer, for these people, for their families, for the community, and for humanity as a whole. We pray for their peace, the peace that only God can give. We pray that that peace be upon them and upon us all. Amin. Now, Radio Islam family, for those who are regular listeners and for those who are new listeners, we are a live call-in talk radio program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Now, remember, you can always log on to RadioIslam.com, and there you can check out guest bios, programming, previous shows and articles, and more. Our site is currently being updated, but the site is still available to you. If you haven't already done so, follow us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we're at the same platform, we're at the same handle, excuse me, at Radio Islam USA. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page, simply at Radio Islam. If you'd like to chime in to tonight's discussion, make a point or ask a question, give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. For our Facebook listeners, again, our page is open. We will be monitoring it throughout the show. So if you have anything that you'd like to add to the discussion, feel free to give us a post there. Before we get into tonight's show, I want to share a hadith, which is a saying we attribute to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Peace and prayers be upon him. Anuman ibn Bashir reported that the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, "The metaphor of the believers in their mutual love, mercy, and affection is that of the body. When one limb of it complains, the rest of the body collapses with sleepness and fever." This is a widely agreed upon hadith. So let us keep that in mind as one connected human family. There's never a point where, or there should never be a point where any of us are distressed, where those who are not visibly affected don't feel a sense of obligation to relieve the distress of of their fellow brother or sister. So, That being said, tonight we are joined in studio 
by Mr. Fred Sow. He is with ICER, which is the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. And I'll tell you just a bit about him. He is the Senior Policy Counsel at the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. In this position, he provides technical support, trainings, and presentation on immigration-related topics to service providers, immigrant community organizations, and others who work with immigrants. He also provides updates and analysis of changes in immigration policies and procedures to ICER members and allies, and assists with the coalition's legislative advocacy efforts. A self-described recovering attorney, Fred practiced law at the Rockford office of Prairie State Legal Services, where he worked after receiving his law degree from the University of Michigan. He has also worked with the American Civil Liberties Union of Illinois, the Chicago Anti-Hunger Federation, and the Missouri Public Interest Research Group. A native of Chicago, Fred is the son of immigrants from China and has had a lifelong concern with immigration issues. Thank you so much for joining us in studio, Fred. Happy to be here, Tariq. So it's been a huge part of the public conversation Mm -hmm. uh, ever since President Trump basically did a repeal of the policy that uh, our former President Obama enacted. Mm-hmm. It was not comprehensive immigration reform, mm-hmm. but it did give some, a modicum of, mm-hmm. you know, normalcy, mm-hmm. uh, a matriculation into the overall mm-hmm. society for those who are undocumented. Mm-hmm. What, where do we, where, where do we stand right now? Okay. So, um, Yes, yeah, so, so you're referring to the uh, DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, yes, which um, President Obama put in place back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, in the five years since, um, roughly 800,000 young people uh, or younger people uh, have uh, benefited from that program. They've been able to get protection from deportation. They've been able to get work permits and social security numbers and driver's licenses and uh, move forward with their lives and, uh, you, know, bu- you know, pursue their educations, pursue careers. Um, and unfortunately now that's going to come to a screeching halt, um, you know, because, uh, you know, the, this, you know, this administration um, has seen fit to undo that program. Um, our president ran on a platform that uh, called the DACA program unconstitutional and uh, vowed to um, undo the pr- this program and other programs similar to it and other other kinds of executive actions um, you know very early in 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 the new administration and uh, and you know it took a while it took a few months uh, but uh, that day has come or that day came you know four weeks ago. And uh, so, yeah, where we are is uh, the program is being phased out. Um, No new applications are being taken. Um, People who currently have DACA are able to, um, in some cases, are able to renew it uh, for another two years if their their DACA expires between September 5th and this coming this coming March 5th. Unfortunately, the window for getting those renewal applications in is very, very narrow at this point. You basically have to get your application in October 5th, which is this Thursday. And I mean, what I mean is, you know, not just postmark, but actually in the hands of the immigration authorities. 
and then um, if uh, if the DACA expires after March fifth, that's it. You know, no more renewals. That's it. That's it. So, what does the future of the of the program? Well, I shouldn't say the program because the the program has basically been shelved, or there's a mm-hmm. there's a shelf life right now for people who could take advantage of it. Exactly. So, what does the future for those? Uh, because uh, by some estimates, there are 11 million undocumented uh, mm-hmm. immigrants in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and about yeah. 1.2 million that could have benefited from DACA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but we're looking at like you said, by close to 800,000 folks mm-hmm. who have been covered by it. Mm-hmm. So wh- where does that leave those people? I mean, cause, yeah, where does that leave those people uh, legislatively? Yeah, yeah. well, um, these young people are going to lose their work permits, so they would not be able to work legally. Um, there may be ways of getting around those those laws, um, you know, through some, you know through some kind, through some legal mechanisms that you know people are looking into. But otherwise, generally, if you're you know if you're in a a straight up you know for hire situation, you can't pursue that further uh, after after the work permit expires, um, and you know and you know. You know, and along with that, um, you know, many people have social security numbers. Those are going; those will remain valid, but you can't use them for work. Um, and you know, here in Illinois, fortunately, we have driver's licenses for undocumented people. Um, right. But uh, but you know, probably the worst thing is that um, you know all these young people are known to the government, um, and you know, there's nothing really stopping. Uh, the homeland security from going after them. Um, you know, they're they're known to they're known to homeland security. Homeland security has their names, has their addresses. Um, you know, in many cases, they you know they they know where they know where these young, where these young people work, um, and so they're they're easy pickings, unfortunately. Um, and you know, and you know, the policy of this administration is to go after anybody who's who's undocumented. Um, these would be the some of the easiest people for for them to find. Um, so that's that's the real that's the real you know horror that's uh, that you know that's awaiting many of these young people. The idea of people coming here as children. I mean, mm-hmm. because this was mm-hmm. this was a policy put in place mm-hmm. to allow mm-hmm. you know children who had no no choice about where they were, mm-hmm. you know, to have some type of a, a future. Uh, now are we looking at, I shouldn't say are we looking at, I'm, I'm going to give you my my take here. You, sure. you give me your response. Sure. Is that we are looking at the creation of a, of a class of people that will have to exist in the shadows, mm-hmm. that will become those who are most likely to be exploited mm-hmm. either through, um, you know, through, through uh, hiring under the table, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Who have no recourse with the law enforcement? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, in 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 many respects, that already exists. You know, I mean, you know, the the individuals who have DACA are a relatively small fraction of the 11 million people whom you mentioned earlier, Tariq. Um, you know, who are undocumented um, and who you know are, you know. You know, despite despite their ties to the community, um, they still lack legal status, and so they're not authorized to work. They're not, uh, you know, they're not, um, 
you know, you know, they're they're vulnerable to deportation. Um, so ev even with you know, you know, pretty decent state laws and local laws that may seek to. You know, may seek to protect them in many respects, including extending driving privileges and you know, and you know, putting distance between local police and uh, and the immigration authorities. Immigration, you know, immigration and customs enforcement, or ICE, as uh, you know, which is the acronym for for them, um, you know, can still operate in many of these communities and uh, and can still, you know, if it finds you know somebody whom they're interested in, um, you know, they. You know they can still they can still go after these people, um, and you know and we're seeing now you know increasing numbers of arrests, uh, particularly of people who have no no link to any kind of criminal involvement. Um, you know, you know doesn't seem to make any difference uh, anymore. Um, you know, so that's you know that's you know that's the big concern. And in the meantime, you know people you know people are you know surviving in you know in whatever ways they can. Um, and um, you know whether it's you know whether it's you know um, working under assumed names or you know borrowing social security numbers or other other kinds of documents, um, or you know or just finding somebody who doesn't care and, uh, right. and you know doesn't care about their status and you know um, you know and working straight up or working off off the books or under the table as you as you as you pointed out. Um, you know that's that's the reality for you know for you know these 11 million people and 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 the five you know including you know half a million 500,000 here in Illinois um, that's 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 what life is so uh, if you are just joining us we're talking with Fred Sal of ICER that is the Illinois Commission uh, Com coalition coalition <laughs> of immigrant and refugee rights mm -hmm. that's the Illinois coalition of immigrant and refugee rights. Now, I would like to, for our listeners' uh, benefit, mm -hmm. to get a little bit of the history mm -hmm. of ICER. Sure. Uh, so, we were founded back in 1986. Um, if you know your immigration history, that was the year that uh, President Reagan signed the amnesty law. Mm. So, we came about as a coordinating committee among several, you know, major um, immigrant-serving organizations, um, you know, to try to coordinate uh, assistance for all these people who, you know, would benefit from the amnesty program. And, you know, I know quite a number of people who did. You know, they're, you know, they're, you know, some of my coworkers did. You know, um, you know, many leaders of our of our community benefited. You know, there are even elected officials who benefited from that program. Um, and you know, since then we've we've grown up. We've grown in scope. We've you know we began you know focusing on Chicago. Um, we're you know working in the suburbs and downstate Illinois. And uh, we've also grown, um, you know, with respect to the kinds of work we do. Um, you know, to you know, we we now um, have, you know, we now have you know over a hundred member organizations. Uh, we work across the state. We do, we work on citizenship. We work on voter engagement, uh, voter registration. Uh, we do, you know, we do. You know, we we do you know legislative advocacy on the state level, on the local level, in some in some respects even on the federal level, 
Um, you know, we just passed the Illinois Trust Act of, you know, a couple months ago, um, you know, which is, you know, another significant victory that we've been able to, you know, we've been able to claim, you know, along with uh, our allies in, in this in that campaign. Um, so, yeah, so we've, we've grown significantly in those 31 years. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, hopefully we'll we'll continue on and in, in doing the work that uh, that needs to be done. Um, the, you know, the work is not going to go away, especially in the climate that we're we're in these days. Yeah, yeah, xenophobia and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you mentioned some of the you know just talking about the people that are affected mm-hmm. or the communities, that's that's what I would like to mm-hmm. focus on a little bit. Sure. Is that these, no one looks like they're undocumented. Right. Right? You, you, there's no sign on your head saying, I'm, do, I'm right. undocumented. Right. That so, doesn't st- stop some people from making those associations, though. But I, yeah, I guess yes. We'll get to that. And, and, and that's actually what I want to, yeah. to get into yeah. is, yeah. you know, because that means that you're going to have entire communities that are under suspicion. Mm-hmm. So exactly. has that, have those... Um, the instances where you find yourself representing people mm-hmm. who are citizens, mm-hmm. who are, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they are part of the fabric of this country. Of Not to say that, you know, that uh, of course. the DACA recipients or those who are coming here looking to, to contribute to this uh, mm-hmm. society aren't. Mm-hmm. But has there been a rise in, I guess, in profiling mm-hmm. that, that you all that you all have uh, had to address? Yeah. Well, um I mean, I, I can't cite any numbers or statistics regarding regarding such incidents, but uh, but yeah, I mean, people feel just, you know people feel nervous uh, these days, um, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of that nervousness is based on things they can't change about themselves, including the color of their skin, um, you know, or the you know the the way they talk or the, you know, um, or, you know, certain other aspects that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, about them. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, when we talk about the undocumented, we have to remember there are undocumented people from all over the world. You know, there are, you know, it's not just, it's not just Latinos. I mean, people often think of, you know, associate undocumented with Latinos or Mexicans, but, right. uh, but, you know, there, there are, you know, there are undocumented people from India and Pakistan. There are Korean undocumented, Chinese undocumented, Polish undocumented, Irish undocumented. Um, there are you know immigrants from Africa who are who are undocumented, um, immigrants from the Middle East who are undocumented. Um, so, so I think you know that's uh, you know we we work with the broad diversity of immigrants in in the Chicago area and in our state. Um, including all of those groups that I just mentioned, right. um, and um, and you know um, you know I think we we all kind of understand that uh, we can't really be you know one country and we can't really be integrated as, as uh, into one society unless we we resolve many of these issues having to do with immigration. And it sounds and this is I, I find this interesting that our mm-hmm. president mm-hmm. that he is also the product of immigrants oh yeah <laughs> so i guess it's it's all in the timing yeah you know? yeah no his uh, his mother was an immigrant from scotland his grandfather was uh, a german immigrant yeah. uh, who actually you know you know did some 
you know, own some own some property in the Yukon, you know, trying to trying to start up a business there. I won't say what kind of uh, yeah, business he was, was running, but uh, <laughs> it was not it was not particularly reputable. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and <laughs> and you know, keep in mind he mar- he himself married to you know was married has been married to two two women who who were immigrants, including the current first lady. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a there's a real lack of uh, of sincerity, you yeah. know, and believability on, on the on the the position that he's taken. Yeah. But looking at how how these 11 million folks, mm-hmm. right? We're not just going to talk about the folks that are just under, under the the cover of DACA or, or who mm-hmm. have been under, but we're talking about 11 million people mm-hmm. that have jobs, mm-hmm. you know, that have families, yeah. and there is research being done. There are numbers that are being, you know thrown out there mm-hmm. with regard to the effect that it's going to have, that it could have mm-hmm. having an 11 million um, uh, person vacuum, yeah. you know, in the economy. Exactly. Is that is that a part of the the um, the, the policy mm-hmm. that, that you all, you know, when you, you say you got to take this into account? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, if you, you know, if, if you tried to deport all 11 million people, you know, it would it crashed the economy. Um, you know, you end up, you know, you'd end up trashing our, you know, our economy and and many, many specific sectors of the economy. I mean, there, you know, I've seen many reports of you know farms, you know, farm owners who can't find workers to pick the vegetables and pick the fruits uh, because because the the people who, you know. Would order, you know, the migrant workers who would come, you know, who would come to work in the fields, um, you know, aren't coming because they're scared. Um, you know, major, major sectors of the economy, both high end and low end, would would really suffer if we, if you know, if we tried to limit immigration. Um, so it's, you know, it's really penny wise and pound foolish to try to, you know, put up these restrictions or to set up these, you know, set up these, uh, these, you know, these. You know, massive deportation drives and and other programs that would that would you know try to, you know, in the name of American workers, you know, f- completely forgetting that these are American workers too. Correct. Um, and you know, and you know, so you know, you know, we should we should instead be, you know, trying to you know enable these workers to you know more more fully integrate into our society. Um, you know, as 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 and not just be workers, but you know. People and citizens of our country. Right. There's a narrative, and, and maybe it's not necessarily spoken, mm-hmm. but it certainly is implied that mm-hmm. there's a scarcity of resources, and because that scarcity is there, we can't afford to have these other people who weren't born here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and yeah. and it's a false so, narrative. It is a false narrative. It, you know, it is absolutely a false narrative, but. But but it also transitions into this mm-hmm. idea of an assumed um, archetype of what an American citizen looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah. I mean, I've you know, I, this is not to say that there aren't people out there in the community who are feeling excluded um, and who have been deprived of opportunities. Um, you know. Um, you know, many of our African American brothers, brothers and sisters, have suffered generations of oppression, yeah. and I'm not taking anything away from that. Um, you know, I think 
the best solution is to try to be inclusive and you know try to try to find solutions for everybody that doesn't that leaves nobody behind. You know we can't be we can't be dividing dividing our communities against each other. Um, we need to you know we need to be reaching out to you know people who may not look like us or may not talk like us or may 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 not be born in the same place as us. Um, you know whether you know. You know, and uh, you know, and you know, really try to figure out what the real problems are. Um, you know, you know, whether it's discrimination or lack of op lack of economic opportunity or lack of credit or disinvestment in communities. And and this isn't just urban problems; it's rural problems too. You know? yes. And and that's we you know we have to, you know, we have to be really mindful of the entire you know the entire breadth of the community, and and you know, work to work to improve opportunities for everybody. Okay. Uh, with that, folks, uh, we are going to take a short break. We're talking with Fred Sow of ICER, the Illinois Coalition of Immigrant Immigration and Refugee Rights. So we will be coming back in just a moment. Remember the phone number if you'd like to call, 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. We'll be back in just a moment on Radio Islam. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. And we are joined in studio by Fred Sow of ICER. I have fumbled on this twice. Will this be the, the charm the third time? Illinois Coalition on immig Immigration, on Immigrant and Refugee Rights. Did I say it right? Immigrant. Immigrant refugee rights. So, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you all this, uh, Radio Islam family. I've known ICER, right? Because I've, uh, I've, I've known that in my head, ICER, for for quite a long time. 
And I rarely say the full name, so I know the acronym, right? So, but anyway, it's 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 bad form. So we're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna get back into our conversation. Uh, as I mentioned to you before the break, if you'd like to give us a call, 312-750-1178, 312-750-1178, or feel free to post on our Facebook page if you've got a comment or a question uh, for Fred. Mm-hmm. We'd be happy to uh, broadcast it over the over the air. Before we get back into the conversation, I think I told, or I may not have told, but would just like to give a, a good evening, a shout-out to Abdullah uh, Shizgar, one of our listeners. Um, hope you're having a great day, and thanks for your uh, continued ear uh, joining us from 6 to 7 p.m. So, as we're looking at the effects, potential, uh, potential effects mm-hmm. of, you know, of 11 million mm-hmm. people, you know, without protect, protection, without a pathway to citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about DACA that's been reported says that upwards of 75% uh, um, are seeking higher education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that in itself, I mean, we can't, if you look at the, the demographics, the stats for any other group, mm-hmm. um, I think it'd be hard to find 70% mm-hmm. of any group that are engaged in, you know, trying to, 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 to obtain a, uh, a college degree. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. again, what, is, what does that say? Is that a testament to the, in your, in your opinion, is that a testament to, to, uh, to these immigrants, these undocumented? Is that a testament to their desire to, you know, join uh, societies be contributing members. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, immigrants come here to you know, you know, pursue opportunities they didn't have in their in their native countries. And some, in some cases, that's just basic safety or basic sustenance. Mm-hmm. In other cases, it's um, you know trying to you know trying to be with people they care about, relatives or you know fiancés. Um, and but in many cases, it's it's an economic opportunity um, to support you know support oneself and one's family and and uh, and pursue you know pursue education. Um, you know certainly that was the case with my parents when you know when they when they when they got together um, when they immigrated and then got together and uh, and you know you know worked really hard to save up to put my brother and me through school. Um, you know that was that was really really emphasized. It was drilled into us, and uh, and you know I'm sure that's that's the case with uh, many other immigrant families. Um, so you know um, you know um, among pe- you know keeping in mind that uh, basically in order to qualify for DACA, you have to be enrolled in school or or you know have you know some some level of educational attainment. Um, you know it could be. Could be a diploma, could be a GED, could be you know you know going to going to a two year or four year college. Um, so you know it's kind of baked into DACA that um, that you know that uh, that people who you know are craving education would be attracted to the program. Um, and there there are many people with DACA who you know have have done their degrees um, you know and uh, and are now able to you know carry on you know some are, some are going to graduate schools so a lot of them are working so yeah that number is not surprising at all among among people who have DACA and and you know I should add that you know deporting all these people is just 
waste of talent. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, you know, whoever, wherever, you know, if we were to deport them and, you know, they land elsewhere, you know, that's going to be a benefit for those other countries. But it's going to be, it's going to be a real shame for us because we're going to be losing all that, all that brain power, all that talent, all that experience. You know, this makes me think about uh, the movie Hidden Colors. I'm sorry, not Hidden Colors. Hidden Figures. Right, Hidden Figures. Great film. Yeah, Hid- Hidden Great Colors is, uh, is kind of an underground cult yeah. uh, following. But hidden, you didn't say Hidden Fences, right. at least. <laughs> right. But Hidden, but hidden, uh, hidden, hidden figures. figures. Oh, yeah. And its impact oh, on... Yeah on you know this landmark civil rights legislation oh yeah realizing that you know we have to take advantage of mm-hmm. the talent that we have exactly. and to exclude anybody is really to our own detriment exactly uh so that you know that is um that is something that i think you know it's, it, it just seemed like a no-brainer mm-hmm. but you know fear and mm-hmm. i, I want to go with fear more so than i do uh hate i think it's mm-hmm. more rooted in fear Mm-hmm. Some of these things that they were seeing people who are they're attaching themselves to the positions they're attaching themselves to. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned, and, and I read mm-hmm. in your bio, being mm-hmm. the uh, being the son of, of immigrants. Mm-hmm. How has that played, uh, or has that played a big part in your own advocacy? You mm-hmm. know, deciding to you know give your uh, skill set yeah. uh, to this. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, being the son of immigrants uh, from China is uh, you know help form my worldview. I mean, my, my father was undocumented for essentially the first 16 years of, you know, his, his time in the United States. He was posing, pose, falsely posing as a U.S. citizen until the immigration authorities finally got him. Um, you know, he, he was able to get a chance um, after my brother and I were, were born and after my mother had become a U.S. citizen, um, you know, to get a green card to get his status and so you know he you know you know he he got the chance and uh you know i think lots of other people who are in the same such basically in the same situation as my father you know should should get the chance as well um so you know and you know i'd hate to think what would have happened had uh had my father been deported you know back when i was two three years old um you know i mean i wouldn't be sitting here you know i wouldn't be sitting here talking with you i'd be I'd be somewhere else probably, um, and uh, you know. But uh, you know, it's that kind of uh, you know that those these are the kinds of things that I keep in mind when you know when I do the work that I do. It's uh, you know it's uh, it's you know uh, you know I you know my parents work very hard. You know they they pursued their opportunities and uh, and you know they've given me you know some privileges that uh, and uh, you know I'd like to see other people be able to share in that. Well, you know, there is a, you know, there are stereotypes, and a lot mm-hmm. of times the stereotypes that we hold mm-hmm. are just because, you know, you mentioned worldview. They're mm-hmm. based on our worldview mm-hmm. uh, and societal view, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a lot of times on our own interactions, mm-hmm. right? So this following stat I want to share uh, mm-hmm. with you and our listening audience mm-hmm. might not seem like it, it might not seem to be the stat that you would look to hear about immigrants, undocumented or DACA recipients, mm-hmm. says that their average hourly wage was seventeen dollars and forty six cents an hour, mm-hmm. up from ten dollars and twenty nine cents before receiving DACA. Yeah. 
the idea, and we know there's been conversations about the uh, living wage, mm -hmm. which they've put at $15 an hour. Exactly. So I want us to really think about this idea that you have people who are above the living wage, which means that mm -hmm. they have, you know, theoretically, they have mm -hmm. disposable, some amount of disposable income. Mm -hmm. now, anybody who, who, who's at a family, you know that $17.46 an hour, it's not a huge amount of money, but mm -hmm. it's not minimum wage. Exactly. Right? Um, mm -hmm. Which means that they have something to put back into the economy. They have, mm -hmm. they can afford, you know, for, for their uh, families, you know, mm -hmm. if it's a two-parent mm -hmm. household. Mm -hmm. um, do stats like this, do these stats, do you think these escape the reality of, of most people? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, again, when people think of the undocumented, um, you know, e even if it's just, even even if it's DACA recipients, um, you know, they think of, you know, you know, they, they, they associate all sorts of other really negative stereotypes, um, you know, and uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat them, but, sure. uh, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, we don't think of undocumented people as being our neighbors and being our coworkers, um, or you know, being you know, being members of our community. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw out a, I'll, I'll throw out another statistic that uh, that I find really interesting. Uh, two thirds of the undocumented in the United States have been here ten years or more. Wow. So these are people who have roots in the community, um, and you know. If you, Try to, you know, you try to pull people up by the roots, and uh, you know, you you wreck, you know, you, you know, you do damage to the rest of the community. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And here's another interesting, uh, interesting stat that I think mm -hmm. people would also be surprised at. It says after getting DACA, nearly 80 percent mm -hmm. of respondents said they got driver's license, and about half of those mm -hmm. became organ donors. Really. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Re I I had not heard that, but yeah, organ donors. Yeah, and and that you know what? Something. Let me make sure because I want to um, for those who'd like to 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 look at this. I'll actually I'll put it on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. It's an uh, article from Newsweek. Okay. Yeah, and this yeah. was actually was published on uh, August thirtieth. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so recently. Yeah, 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 pretty recently. So I, I think that in itself, yeah, is a phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, phenomenal stat. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Well, these are these are young people who have have not forgotten where where they came from. They've not forgotten their families. They've not forgotten their neighbors. They've not forgotten the rest of their communities. And in fact, many of them, you know, are insisting that you know if uh, if there is legislation that moves forward, um, that's um, that you know. That the rest of you know the rest of their families and the rest of their communities and their classmates don't get left behind, or at least that that they not get hurt in right. the process. So um, you know, and I think that's that that's really interesting to see that you know these are you know they're not they're not moving forward and forgetting you know forgetting every everybody else um, you know that they grew up with. Um, you know that instead you know they're they're mindful of you know. Everybody else who's around them, um, and you know, not willing to, you know, take a take what may be a good deal for themselves, um, you know, at the expense of other people. Right, right. Now, do we have a call? 
Uh, actually, yes. We had a caller who wanted to ask a question, but the caller said they prefer not to be on the air. Okay. okay. So I'll ask the question on their behalf. Okay. Um, the caller asked, there's this perception or there's this talk among people that why don't undocumented immigrants seek a legal route mm -hmm. to citizenship? The caller was asking, theoretically, if they were to do so, mm -hmm. uh, approximately how many would actually be able to get citizenship through that route? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you hear this line fairly frequently. Why don't they just get in line? Why don't they just do it the right way? Well, unfortunately, you know, um, the laws don't allow them. Um, there, there are no, you know, you know, for most people, there is no legal mechanism for getting a green card and getting, you know, getting getting onward towards citizenship. Um, so. And that's why uh, actions like DACA became so necessary. Um, you know, it's you know if it's uh, you know if you know, if 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 something were available, you know, people would take advantage of it. Um, and you know, you know, and, and and I say this, you know, even you know, even you know, people people may think that uh, you know if you get married to a U.S. citizen, you know, you're you're going to get a green card. That's not that's not necessarily the case, you know, because there could be issues with, you know, your previous time in the United States out, you know, without status. Um, that um, that could block you from uh, easily get you know getting 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 legal status, and particularly you know there's you know many many undocumented people um, you know would have to travel back to the, their their country you know the country where they came from in order to process their visas, but under under other parts of the immigration law, once you set foot outside the United States, you're essentially barring yourself from returning for ten years. Really, ten years. Yeah. So, what kind of what kind of incentive does that create for uh, for people to want to process? There are people who actually, you know, wait out the ten years, out, you know, away from the rest of their families. But um, but you know, if you know, if you or I were in that situation, would you do that? I I probably wouldn't. You know, especially if it meant you know being away from being away from my spouse, being away from my kids, um, you know, being away from being away from the rest of my community. I probably wouldn't want. I probably wouldn't want to do that. And that's that's the decision that a lot of a lot of undocumented people have also made. You know, there's another conversation that is not often had. Mm -hmm. We look at immigration as an isolated incident. Mm -hmm. You know, not connected to realities around the world mm -hmm. where there are atrocities taking place exactly. where economies mm -hmm. have collapsed mm -hmm. where you know where you have uh, where the influence of black market economies where they've become the economy yeah. and enforced by violence yeah. you know so yeah. that's i mean that's another reality that we're not talking about mm -hmm. yeah. and i think i think it's important for it to come up in particular um people are going to where they see safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to send somebody back into a burning building. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. And that's and that in particular is what's so ridiculous about the refugee ban that's uh, that yes. you know this administration put in place and the travel ban. It's like, you know, you're you're basically blocking people who are fleeing um, you know, you know, fleeing violence and fleeing war and fleeing destruction uh, from being able to seek a safe haven here in the United States. Um, you know, we're, you know, you know, you know, we're, you know, 
you know, let me put it this way. Um, you know, it, you know, for someone to leave the country that they know, um, you know, to come someplace um, where they may not speak the language, they may not know anybody, they may not, they may not have a job lined up, uh, they may not even be welcome. You know, that takes a lot. It does. You know, and, and people do not make that decision lightly. Um, and so, you know, so, you know, that people who make that decision have to be respected for, you know, not you know, their courage and their initiative. And, and, you know, and also, you know, the, you know, we have to recognize, you know, why people would make that decision. You know, again, sometimes, sometimes, you know, people may do so in order to be close to somebody. Um, but a lot of times it's because, you know, there are no opportunities back in their home country or, or life is just very difficult. And that's not even talking about, you know, violence and repression and other, you know, other kinds of factors that are, you know, you know the government or other, other considerations, you know, other systems are, are actively trying to destroy their lives. So, you know, we, we, we really need to be cognizant of, you know, all of those different factors and not just look at, you know, as, as you said, Tariq, not look at, not look at the immigration system as in isolation. Yeah. I think it's also interesting. Well, I'm interested, I'm interested mm-hmm. to know, mm-hmm. aside from the work that ICER does on behalf of, of immigrants and refugees, mm-hmm. is there also an attempt to focus on the policy, the immigration policy itself, in determining the numbers? Because that, that's also uh, another thing. Um, determining yeah. the numbers of immigrants that are allowed in from one particular country to the next uh, because mm-hmm. I think, well, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna go into what I think. Yeah. I just wanna deal with what I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. But is, is that a part of uh, the response or a part of, is that on ISIS plate as, uh, as well? Because, you know, we, yeah. we've got like the, the H, mm-hmm. H-1B visa, Yeah. right? But yeah. And, and some critics of that will look and mm-hmm. say, well, you're contributing to the brain drain of other, yeah. you know, especially highly specialized, mm-hmm. you know, uh, skill sets. Mm-hmm. Whereas the farmer, you know, the, the, the laborer, mm-hmm. they don't have the same, you know, they don't have the same mechanism. So right. is that also, is that a part of some of the work that you all do? Well, let me put it this way. Um, I mean, first off, there are there are proposals that... You know, some members of Congress have put together that would, you know, seriously, seriously cut the numbers of immigrants who come to this to this country and through 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 various mechanisms. We believe that that you know those those proposals are just counterproductive if not outright destructive. You know, right. it would you know it would you know it would ruin us as a country if the if the if these you know, if these proposals were to pass. And we kind of know what's motivating, you know, uh, what's motivating these, uh, you know, these proposals. Um, you know, at the same time, there are, you know, there are people in our current legal immigration system who are, who, you know, who do have a place in line, and they've been waiting in line for, you know, 5, 10, some cases, 22 years. You know, they're waiting, you know, they've you know, they got sponsored by a relative or they got sponsored by an employer. Right. And, you know, they're trying to do it the right way. And the right way involves, you know, these super, super long waits. Um, you know, my, 
my boss is uh, the child of Filipino immigrants. He has, an, he has an uncle who waited the entire 22 years to, to immigrate to the United States. Um, you know, that's, that's how that's how messed up, that's how broken our, cur our current system is. So, yeah, I mean, we do need to, we do need to fix our system. Um, we do need to make it, uh, make it easier for families to reunite. We do, we, you know, we do have to, you know, take care of the people who've been here for a while, you know, without status to give them the opportunity to gain status. Um, you know, we do need to figure out, you know, how we can, best match up, um, you know, people who want to come to this country with what we really need in our economy. And again, that that's not just not not just this, the the brainiacs out there, the, the you know the engineers <laughs> and the PhDs, but all, but also you know people who you know people who want to you know, just you know do do farm work or do you know do do janitorial work because we we need workers in the in, in you know doing that as well. So let me just ask, in, in your opinion, mm -hmm. uh, is it, do you think it's as difficult as they are m making it seem? Because it's, it's, it's the can that's been kicked down the road yeah. after, you know, from administration to administration. Yeah. Is it as difficult as, as they're making it seem? Well, um, if it weren't for certain deeply ingrained attitudes and, you know, stereotypes and you know and and other other ways of thinking you know you, you probably would have seen some you know some form of immigration legislation to fix the system um, years ago um, it's just unfortunately that uh, that um, you know it's very easy to play on people's fears and uh, and you know you won't use the word, but I will. Hatred, yeah. um, you know, and and bigotry, um, you know, and and direct that at people who, you know, don't look like you or speak, you know, speak a different language from you, and uh, you know, and you know, aren't aren't from aren't from the same country, aren't weren't born in the same place as you. So, um, you know, and unfortunately, it's those it's those kind of attitudes that, uh, you know, rather than you know, you know, reason, you know. Reason, thoughts, and uh, and reflection that uh, that have uh, unfortunately you know carried the day so, you know so far. You've, you know even 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 in administrations that have you know tried to work out really sensible solutions that should be common sense to everybody. It's 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 been that difficult. Right. You know, unfortunately, it seems that most of our legislation that has that has been about expanding the pool of, of rights, extending it to, to more people, mm -hmm. that it's usually had some type of an economic uh, imperative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking back to the civil rights movement, the, you know, the mm -hmm. Montgomery bo bus boycott, which mm -hmm. was, mm -hmm. you know, economic boycott, which was huge. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. This is the last stat I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share because <laughs> okay. we're getting close okay. um, uh, to our time. But it says that the Center for American Progress estimated mm -hmm. that the U.S. would lose about $460 billion mm -hmm. in GDP mm -hmm. over the next 10 years without DACA. Right, right. That is a staggeringly high number. Mm -hmm. uh, and to think about 700,000 people said, you know, could lose their jobs. You know, we, we, can't, we cannot fathom 700,000 people mm -hmm. being laid off or losing their jobs at one time. Mm -hmm. That, you know, th that's a ridiculous 
That's an absurd number, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we certainly need more time to, to, to <laughs> you know, to go over this. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to ask you a sure. different question. Sure. Have you seen Hamilton? I have not seen <laughs> Hamilton, unfortunately, I've, and I, I, re I regret having to say that or make that admission, but I haven't seen <laughs> it. But immigrants do get the job done. Yes, yes, so. yes. <laughs> and it, it's something, uh, we're going to close out with this just small <laughs> reflection of family. Okay. I had the uh, pleasure, my wife and I, we went to, you know, with some family and friends, we went to go see it yesterday. Mm, okay. Uh, now, we've had tickets uh. since March, uh, right? Okay. So <laughs> we, had to, we had to wait to go see it. Uh. But I, I, I definitely recommend, mm -hmm. uh, I think if more people saw it, mm -hmm. especially with the, these, these different uh, mm -hmm. representations, you know, George mm -hmm. Washington was mm -hmm. played by uh, an African-American. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Um, but what it did, this idea of, of seeing yourself as a part of the story, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's, I think that is integral yeah. to us reshaping our idea of what it is to be an American. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, if you haven't seen it, folks, uh, if you can see it, I would definitely recommend it because it, it just, it, it, like you said, immigrants, you know, our founding fathers were immigrants, mm -hmm. you know, and um, we'll get into the, I, I'm normally pretty passionate about the other side of that, you know, the African slave trade and, you know, because uh, that's a part of our history as well. Indeed. But, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's just something to consider. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I want to. Do you have any uh, closing uh, statements that you'd like to make? Or <laughs> is there a way that folks can yeah. support the work that ICER is doing? There we go. Yeah. So um, yeah, check out our website icirr.org. Um, you can sign up for our email list. You can get updates on the stuff that we're doing. Um, you know, the website has plenty of information regarding DACA and regarding you know other other things that we're we're doing. Um, and um, yeah, of you know, just you know, stay tuned, stay involved, and uh, and uh, you know, we we all need your help. Don't give up your shot. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much for it. Happy to be here. Um, I remind you all that the views expressed are the views of the host and guests, not those of Sound Vision. Um, our engineer at WCEV is Ramon. Thank you so much, Ramon, over, over there for making sure we come through nice and clear. Our engineer in studio, the impressive, always, Ibrahim Baig. Uh, I am your host and producer, Tariq el -Amin, and we look forward to talking with you tomorrow around the same time, uh, 6 p.m., and we are going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you, but you can check our Facebook page. You'll see who our guest is uh, tomorrow. Uh, 6 p.m. Remember to go to SoundCloud if you haven't done so. Follow us there. You can download and listen uh, to any of our previous programs. That's at Radio Slum USA. Are we USA on uh, SoundCloud? Okay, Radio Slum USA on SoundCloud. So uh, it's been a pleasure. Remember, um, if any part of the body hurts, then the rest of the body, you know, is hurting. So let's let's take care of one another. Uh, let's keep each other in our prayers and be mindful of those who have less, who are afflicted, especially when we're able to provide relief. So I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.